And there came a day, a day unlike... Wait, no, that's been done. Hmm. Who knows what evil lurks and... No, that is that other thing. What has yellow skin and rights? Ah, forget it. You're listening to Panelology. Excelsi, oh, damn it. Welcome to episode 99 of Patology. I'm Alex. I'm Jenna. And I'm Brian. How are you guys doing today? I'm pretty fucking good. Yeah, yeah. we're in a good mood right now. <laughs> yeah, we uh, just got off the phone with Chip Zdarsky. Indeed. As usual, you will hear it a little later on in the show. Yeah. Uh, we were, I think all, well I won't speak for Brian, I know Jenna and I talked about being nervous for it. I, I was. I don't normally get nervous to just talk to people. But I think, like, there's been a lot of stuff happen this week that it's just been, like, anxiety, anxiety, anxiety. Oh, my God, I'm talking to a really awesome comics creator who I love a bunch. Fuck, I'm nervous. That was all right. As I was leaving here <laughs> yesterday, I saw... I'm not a superstitious person, mind you. But I did see an omen, what I think must be an omen, as as well as I feel like that interview went. Um, we, we did hit record, right? Oh, well, what? Yes. Okay. Okay, good. On the interview? I yes. don't know. Oh, sh- no, I saw it. I, I looked. <laughs> I, I did, I checked. I specifically looked. Oh. I checked looked. every three minutes like, to make I sure. I never look and check. I specifically looked. Yes. I just I, kept looking. I had swung by here to grab my long box, because I forgot it last week, and as I was on my way away again, stopped for gas, and there was an adult woman wearing a full-size Spider-Man putty, footy pajama costume, and in that moment I knew... Chip's going to be good tomorrow. Yeah. 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 Not a superstitious person, but if there is such a thing as an omen, an like, adult it, in a Spider-Man <laughs> costume the night before Chip's a dark However, is. it did begin thunderstorming when we started the interview, so there was also that. However, it turned out okay. Yeah. Yeah, ambiance. It, it was ambiance. Ambiance. Yep. All right. Let's get into it. I am my own version of Bliss Delight right now. I'm sorry. <laughs> <laughs> Only Wolverine, number 32. Bliss Delight. <laughs> yeah, Damn this, good issue! <laughs> this was a good book! Um, this, was a, this was actually a really good issue. It's, mm-hmm. it's the first time we get to really see Laura working with the Orphans of X mm-hmm. group. First and last. And last. Because the next one moves into Old, old Woman Laura. Um, but uh, we see her working specifically with one individual um, who takes her very literally in a very fun and good way. Yes. Yes. <laughs> um, I don't. I don't know what to say without spoiling like, on yeah, this one. So Gabby wasn't in this one, right? But it was but, still real. Damn but Amber, who was awesome. the person, kind of st- a little stood in for Gabby. A well, little bit. a little, but without the childish. Right. Naivety. That's what I'm saying. But like she, she, she filled that that comedic. Yeah. Kind of. Yeah. yeah. Although Laura filled a lot of comedic yeah, which, gaps too. Yeah. Which which leads me to Brian's quote of the week. Oh oh snap. <laughs> I was going to work in a Nancy Sinatra reference somewhere in there, but <laughs> we'll just go on into Brian's quote of the week. Come on. It's been such a good, you know, I don't even care because it's been such a good day. <laughs> quote, quote. So, oh, by the uh, way, it is also St. Patty's Day today, everybody. I know. Yeah. Yeah. 17. So cilantro. Nice. What's up? Cilantro? No. Jerk. <laughs> no. 
No, so Amber, Amber the, the person that she's working with, is sitting at a bar, and these two guys come up to her and, and says she got to come with them. And she goes, my mango daiquiri has an umbrella and a plastic mermaid. I am not walking away from this. And they're like, no, you're coming with us. And she's like, okay, fine, but I want another daiquiri. Two plastic mermaids in this one. <laughs> yeah, because she had just shattered her fucking glass of <laughs> over one of daiquiri on one yes. of them. <laughs> right. That's pretty great. I know. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, she was my soulmate in that moment. Two plastic mermaids in this one. Two plastic mermaids in this one. <laughs> yeah. This was a fun issue. Sort of a, a solo one shot before we move into what will be Tom Taylor's final arc with Laura. Mm. Yeah. Mm. He's going out the way he wants. He's got a plan. He's happy with what he's done. And better to end strongly in a place you're happy with. Agree. True. Agree. I agree. Yeah. yeah. Tell, the, tell the stories you've got to tell. And then if you don't have great ideas, let somebody else do it. Yeah. <laughs> Duncan what agrees. Duncan has some very strong opinions on this. Goo-gam. <laughs> I think this is the first time we've gotten him on the air just vocalizing and not barking. <laughs> See, when I got a new dog, I didn't realize that I was getting part husky <laughs> in my schnorky. You got husky in my schnorky. You got schnorky in my husky. But he does love to talk to me. Yes, sir. All right. All right. Spider-Man v. Deadpool. The V stands for Viagra. Probably in this one. Um, yeah, this is sort of... I guess not the conclusion, but... It's the part two of... Yeah, the part two of our old man, Deadpool and, and Spidey. Our very old very, man. Very, <laughs> very old man. Um, Blood brothers, if you will. <laughs> yeah, yeah. We, we figure out why Peter has lived as long as he has, which is <laughs> very, very long, apparently. Yeah. Um, hey, I hear Tahiti's a magical place. <laughs> <laughs> That's not it. Um, it's not far I, from I, it. I, I, no. no, I like I I've, I've been I figured out exactly what happened just from those little references. Oh really? Yeah. What happened? Blood transfusion. Oh. Yeah. <laughs> from from Deadpool to Peter. See? Peter wakes up wondering why there are track marks on his arm. <laughs> yeah, something bit me. Oh my god, this dog. Um <laughs> Sorry, my dog is trying to wrestle with me. I don't understand what's happening. It's like he simultaneously wants to be held, but also wants to go full cat. He's like, touch me, don't touch me, touch me, don't touch me. That's touch the story it, touch of it, touch my it, life. Touch me. I want to be dirty. Don't nope, be weird. Nope. Don't be weird. Don't make it so Done. weird. Too late. Um. Deadpool would approve. Yeah, Deadpool. Deadpool, there yeah. Yeah, that one. Yeah. Yeah, and we find out... Who this mysterious Deadpool clone really is. Yes. The Deadpool ganger, if you will. <laughs> the De Deadpool ganger. Alex, come on. Come on. That's well, nice. That nice. Oh, thank you. Okay. Thank you. Yeah, this is a lot of fun. I I started in on this with the versus stuff, and I've kind of eased into that. But these old man one-shots so that are, are peppering through the thing... Are like the lifeblood of this for me. Oh These, I would read a whole series that's just the two of them. I would too. All of the the regular issues are really they damn are. good too. Um, and I started reading this in trade, and I keep telling myself, you know, after this one, I'm going to go back to trade. After this one, I'm going to go back to trade, and I just can't do it. <laughs> yeah, I was going to swap to trade, but then then I saw part two. I'm like, well, damn it. 
<laughs> no. Back in for one more. Yeah. Only I know it's apparently a thing this summer because they've teased that. So back also, again for a bunch more. I really want to get into the part where it shows when Peter got almost cut in half. Yeah. In the regular, because that's going to fuck some shit up uh-huh. in the world, period. Is this, like, in continuity? What the hell? As far as I know. Yeah. I mean, it usually is. The yeah. All the stuff in the trades is. So, I don't know. I don't know what's going to happen. It's going to be terrifying. Maybe this is just one possible future. Well, yeah, maybe. Since we see that there are lots of alternate timelines. Yeah. Maybe maybe they're old and misremembering. I don't know. <laughs> no, no. There's got to be a reason why Peter's in that wheelchair. Maybe he was a big fan of the Burger King Kids Club and is actually working on his Wheels cosplay. Maybe. That was his name, right? He was actually named Wheels because it was the late 80s, early 90s. Yeah, that was a thing people did. Yeah, in that that terrible person phase. Yeah. Yeah. Because Boomer was the one with the like VR glasses. Mm -hmm. Um, Yeah. No, I have to say, though, really wonderful thing is watching Peter web sling around. With the chair. With the chair. With the chair. Yeah. It's like oh iron bars strapped to him. <laughs> yeah, I'm sure that he has to like web the chair to the building when he stops. Yeah. But it is super wonderful. That's hilarious. Yeah. I was correct. His name was Wheels. Yeah. Kid Vid had the video. Oh, right. Boomer was actually the redheaded girl in the hockey jersey. Oh, shit. Yeah. Okay. What did I think her name was? Anyway. Yeah. <laughs> Welcome to our new segment in which we reminisce. No, we misremember the 90s. Just <laughs> <laughs> really the best way to remember the 90s. I mean, it really is. It's like I remember it being this wonderful, tolerant place, and nobody can ever talk to me about it ever again, so I can just always remember that. Um, yeah, that's called childhood. That's going to have some yeah. bad news for <laughs> you when nope. we get to Longbox. No. Uh, Spider Man Deadpool. Any, yeah. Anything else? It was this? really good. I think we've said all we need to say yeah, about it. I, I think, think so, too. It's really good. We're trying Go to keep today it. going in a nice steady clip. Yeah. Sea of Thieves, number one. So, we have solved the mystery of Sea of Thieves, number zero. Okay. Yeah. It's the first half of Sea of Thieves, number one. I still don't know how I got it, though, I, is well, the thing. Well, okay, that's a wholly separate mystery. And it has all of the profiles of the different pirates. It looks like each of these issues is putting two in the back. Correct. Okay. Yeah. 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 Okay. I I didn't get to read the issue number zero. Well, now so, you have. And now I have. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah, damn good. Yeah. Yeah. Like I really dug this story. Yeah. This is super cool. Especially, I mean, you, you generally not all. You don't expect necessarily a whole lot out of a video game. You know, mm-hmm. uh, spin out whatever. Mm-hmm. Jim did a good job, sir. Hell yeah! yeah. These yeah. characters are fully fleshed out and wonderful. I like it. Yeah, it's. I wish I had an Xbox so I could play it. I know. Um, but, like, it's this cool, big, open sandbox. It's a world that you can populate people in. I think it's, like, the smartest way you can can adapt a game like that is just come up with all your characters in this world and yeah. play with the lore and do that. So I think yeah, it's really, yeah. really fun. I liked the personalities of the different characters that, yeah. that are here. And I like the little twist that they have as far as the crew goes. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that was that was super cool and unexpected. I did not see that one coming. <laughs> What a twist. What a twist. Do you stand by your declaration from the zero issue of your favorite character? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Silver tongue? Yeah. yeah. Do you? Oh, okay. Yeah. Yeah, I love her. I don't, I mean, so what? They kicked her out. Now she gets to be on a different oh, I wasn't, team. I wasn't questioning it. I was <laughs> just saying if, now having read the whole first issue. Yeah. yeah. Were... I kind of like Rin. 
<laughs> well, yeah, yeah. Rin is great. Oh my yes. god, the bullets. Yes, exactly. <laughs> oh, yes. so yep. good. Yeah. This yeah. was good. I enjoy it. I can't I, I, wait to read more. I was going to say, I'm very much looking forward to the next one, which yeah. is a, that's about as high praise as I can give something, right? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it made me want to buy an Xbox. That's the highest praise I can give For something. For real, yeah. Damn. Hear that, Rare? <clears throat> Jeremy Whitley's doing his job right. <laughs> you get a Windows 10 PC. Play it that way. I could, but let's not start talking madness, Brian. <laughs> I'm a Mac guy. I've always let's been not a Mac start guy. this debate again because I've already been telling Alex that all of his apps are trash. I happily use PC stuff at work. I am uh, uh, generally a, a, I guess, computer uh, agnostic. I wasn't even going to say agnostic. I was going to say Unitarianist. Oh, okay. Um. Until we start getting into homebrew stuff, but at that point, you might as well be talking about Scientology. <laughs> Wait, hold on. What? Why? Because you don't get it? Because I don't trust it not to fuck people over. Mm. Linux for life. That's, I mean, okay, we're not going to have this conversation. Yeah, I was going to say, this is, <laughs> we're way off topic yeah. here now. <laughs> Nobody. See these, good comic, go get yeah. it. <laughs> Get good book, Jeremy Whitley, friend of show. Yes, yes. If you enjoy it, go pick up some Raven the Pirate Princess. Oh Fuck yeah, yeah. yeah I Ease yourself that. into the rest of his body of work if yeah. you have not already done that. Hell and yeah, you should do that. Uh, sideways, Brian. Oh, this is number two. Uh, we is. talked last time uh, about with issue number one about how this kind of felt like that er- those early Peter Parker yeah. high school story. It yeah yeah this continues that vibe and is really really good. Well, and the main reason I wanted to talk about this issue is I think this gives us probably a more general sense of what this book is going to be going forward. Mm-hmm. The introductions are out of the way. Like, we're done with introducing... Yeah, yeah, like, they start moving. ...villains who pop up. Yeah. Um, the exposition, kind of, is out of the way. And, like, I really feel like this book is just firing. It moves quickly. It looks great. It is... It is fluid. Like, it's got this really great sense of yep. motion all throughout, which I think is so important to a character like this, whose whole thing is locomotion. Right. It's all about moving and moving quickly and jumping from here to here. And yeah. Yeah. Um, we get, we've got, we kind of know who our probably overarching big bad kind of yes. person is going to be. And the Tempest Fugenaut. <laughs> the Tempest Fugenaut. Yes. Which, and they even say this in the issue <laughs> is the most Kirby ass thing yes. ever. <laughs> yes. All right. Like they name drop Jack Kirby in yeah. this guy's design. And I'm like, it doesn't make any sense, but I love it. I know. It's so wonderful. Um, but like now he's, I don't, I mean, clearly he's not out of the picture, but like he's now moved kind of to the back burner a little bit. Like he, like a big bad should, and mm-hmm. you know, he'll simmer yeah. back there, I'm sure. And we keep moving on with the kind of the front story. And it's, yeah. yeah. And we start to see the ramifications of. Man, I need to learn this kid's name. Sideways' actions. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Um, we see, like, the tease of the Tempest Fugenaut is not wrong. Um, and we also see sort of our first rogue for Sideways show up in here. And there's this great confrontation at the end where he's in the hospital because his best friend and mom are making him get checked out. And he goes to confront this person. 
in a hospital gown yeah. and his mask. Yeah, it's Derek James, but <laughs> Derek. Yeah. Nice. Derek. Derek. Yeah. Fucking Derek. But no, his his fr- his friend is is who I still. Oh, she's great. She is great. Ernie. Yeah. Nice. Like, you show up at my door. You're bleeding. Of course I'm taking you to the hospital. Of course I'm calling your mother. You dumbass. Yeah. <laughs> yes. <laughs> yep. The other thing we we're talking about is how the art in this. It, you know, you were mentioning the, the flow of it. How uh, it really, I think, shows that the artist is kind of leading. Yeah. This just this. a quick behind the scenes thing we did cut so that the dogs could go out yeah. and. When Brian says we were talking about this, it was during the break. It was during uh, the break. Yeah. It could have been early. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, just just in <laughs> no, case anyone's like, wait that. a minute, did I did I tune out somewhere? Do I need to go back? Like, no, you don't need to rewind. You yeah. Miss no, no, no. Like, yeah. Uh, yeah. We're saying a private conversation. All right. You're not fucking in it. We're saying most of what we said now, now, then now, so it's fine. <laughs> yeah. Uh, well, we were talking about Roquefort's yeah. art. Brian and I were, and. I get the sense that he's probably a hard artist to write for, not due to any fault on his part, but because he is so, so talented at layout and composition that I doubt that most writers would break down a page in the way he will. Right. Like he brings a lot to the table in that way. And I think this is a great line for him in, in that this whole new age of DC superheroes line is supposed to be built around art forward books and right. artist forward books. I think clearly it's working in this yeah. case because it gives him so much leeway to really be the thing that drives this book in a way that I don't think he always gets to be. I right. think and he that's really shines I think he's, he's so much more involved in the story piece of it yeah. that he can kind of have in his head how he's already, how he's going to lay it out and draw it. And that feeds well with the ability to tell that story. Yeah. Like I loved his work on Ultimates. I think this probably even surpasses that yeah. for just him as an artist. Nice. Yeah. yeah. Love the series. Good book. Yeah. Uh, another book that I'm sure everyone will be just shocked to hear we loved, Mr. Miracle. Back from that. its break with number seven. Hey, you guys, we liked a Tom King book. What? Yeah, a Tom King 12, 12 issue series book. Hey, oh mm, my god! What? Yeah. Um, now we get a we get a we get a new edition with we this do. one though, don't we? Yeah, yeah, yeah. This was a super fucking tense book. God, it like it was like for the characters not to move out of two different rooms. Like the whole thing takes place in the, I guess technically like the first page, there's a little bit of a different, but like for the most part, this whole issue takes place in two rooms. Brian, I love you. Finish sentences. Sorry. (laughs) Too excited. Can't even. (laughs) So So it takes place between Scott's car, the waiting room and the delivery room. Yeah. Yes. And, uh, spoiler alert, I guess if you're, if you haven't read Six and are trade waiting. Uh, okay. Yeah, I mean, Bart is having a baby. Yeah. Yeah, she is. Yeah. Did you guys notice the uh, heart rate monitor, which is like my favorite little detail in this? It was Omega Beams. Yeah. <laughs> the heart rate monitor yeah. was Omega Beams. It was Omega Beams, yes. Yeah. And the Wonder Woman sign in the back. Be a Wonder Woman. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Yes. I don't know, coming off of Milk Wars, that felt really awkward <laughs> and weird, mostly. Especially in a, um, in a, in, in a childbirth situation. Yeah. yeah. Take yeah, you that's back what to I'm the saying. whole lactation statue. Right, that's yeah. what I'm saying. Yeah. Yeah. It was the, awkward. The t- Probably my two favorite things about this issue Scott were... Scott trying to 
recommend names. One constantly. was Scott recommending names. That was that is oh one of the God. two. He like the, the names that he comes up with are just like I don't even know if this was one because I can't fully remember all of them. But it's like shit, like Thunder Death, Bramble Pelt. <laughs> <laughs> They are just like oh the most ridiculous. I mean, new new gods names. Yeah, yeah, and and then, yeah. like they just come out of nowhere. Sometimes he just they're like, nope, nope. It's just the Iron Breaker. That was yeah, like, Iron Breaker. How about Iron Breaker? Well, it's his like, defense mechanism. It's every time things right. get tense and yes. he doesn't know what's going to happen next. All he can think of is get out of the situation, escape this, go to after it when everything's okay and it's alive and has a name. <laughs> right, exactly. Well, I mean, I think that a lot of us have that defense yeah. mechanism yeah. in place. The other thing is, although Barta told them not to come, the f- the female Furies show up. Yeah. And they're in the waiting room. That's why Scott yeah. keeps going out to talk to them. And they are absolutely amazingly wonderful in this book. Yeah. Yes. yes. It's like the World War One Silent Night story, this issue. Because yeah. the two sides are at war still. Yeah. Like the Furies are furious for them having killed Granny Goodness. Uh-huh. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so like literally they're on opposite sides of a war. And yeah. Here's but, this you know. here's this knife. If you need it, it's the only thing that will cut her skin. All right. And someday I will kill you with and it. And someday yeah. by the way, and then but when this war resumes, I'm gonna kill you with it. <laughs> I, yeah. I love that she like okay. made it a point to keep repeating that. Yes. <laughs> I am I am going to kill you with this knife. Yes. You don't understand. And then Mad um, Harriet just spouting Oh. Insightful yet gibberish. <laughs> Mad Harriet was here, carved under the wall. Yes. Yeah, it's so wonderful. Can we call spoilers for a second? Well, I mean, I think we're already spoiling. We're kind of already are. Of it, so, so, so okay. it, if you haven't told spoiler shit right here, um, I will say this: the minute they mentioned the Jacob's ladder, I knew okay, oh, yeah. it's all good. The baby will live because they're obviously going to name it Jacob. Jacob, right? right yes. Well, I mean, that doesn't, that doesn't mean it's all good. Well, because. Right. I mean, obviously, it's not going to be all good because it's issue seven of twelve, right? But, but I'm just saying, danger. like, even I mean, even when shit happens, even when babies pass in birth, a lot of parents still like to give the baby a name. Oh. <laughs> well, and so at least it could have gone real fucking wrong, it, and then it, damn it, it, it could have. They could have called the baby the lump. <laughs> it's true. It's true. They could have done that. Um, oh. By the way, just like in passing mentions that Scott is now the High Father. Well, we kind of knew that, though. Yeah, we? well, we I mean, that. yeah, at the end of the last one we knew yeah. it. But, but also, like it hadn't been straight out him. You haven't said. seen him living that Correct, yeah. yeah. He hasn't been living that truth. Yeah. Um, <laughs> um, yeah, did anybody else catch the fact that there is a single Dark Side Is panel in this whole yeah. thing? And it's right when the baby starts breathing and screaming? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, it was, yeah, off-putting, mm, to say the that least. That was a little disturbing. Asphyxiated baby with gray skin that looks like baby Dark Side? Shh. I mean, we already have Baby Dark Side, though. That's a <laughs> right. different thing. Dark Side Green's son? Yeah. 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 Mm-hmm. Wait, he's his own grandpa. <laughs> <laughs> you did it, Willie Nelson. You did it. What? <laughs> Willie Nelson has a cover of the song I'm My Own Grandpa. Okay. <laughs> okay. Okay. I assumed How everyone was familiar with that? I'm My Own Grandpa. No. Yeah. But. Nope. <laughs> I don't understand the Willie Nelson connection there, and I am ashamed at myself. It's on his 2009 album, Rainbow Connection, which I only know because mm-hmm. I was downloading his cover of Rainbow Connection. Okay. 
somehow skip that one. He has a very good cover of Rainbow Connection. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. I've yeah, I've heard the fucking okay. that. Same but, album. Huh. Yeah. I think it's huh. his kids album. Okay. Yeah. Yep. A little bit of casual incest there. Anyway. <laughs> yeah. Oh, and for those of you keeping up, Scott's wearing a Superman t-shirt this issue. <laughs> Which. Such a nerd. I really want to know if that was the same shirt that Mitch was wearing when his baby who was born during the production of this book was born. Because he wears a lot of those shirts, too. <laughs> like This had to be a weird issue for him to. Oh, yeah. yeah. Shit had to have gotten real on this yeah. one. Um, also, if you're keeping up at home, this does make the first, like. Half New Genesis, seeing New Genesisian, New Apocalypsean, yeah, <laughs> child. It's ever. the this is to Hazel, this is to Hazel as New Genesis or as the fourth world is to Saga. There we go. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. This yeah. is the first first New Genesis apocalypse. Baby. Baby. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, that moment where i forget which one said it but they were like babies are not born on apocalypse they're taken when they're ready yeah it's oh mm -hmm. that's awful this is the most awful all right all right last one eternity girl number one and just a quick heads up uh if the idea of conversation about su suicidal ideation is not something you care to hear about there's really no way to talk about this book without that there is not so just go ahead and and jump forward because it is a major part of this book and inevitable to discuss yeah it, it's pretty it's maybe the central idea of yeah. this book yes yeah. um and and if you listen to our interview with mag she talked about this uh Caroline Sharp has these superpowers. She is functionally immortal, and the only way for her to die, the only way for her to kill herself is to end reality. Mm -hmm. And mm -hmm. in this issue, she is offered that option. That, yeah, that, that, like, that idea is presented to her. Yeah. Yes. Like, a lot of this issue is, I think, in kind of a bleakly comic way that is almost a coping mechanism for mm -hmm. some people presents the idea of, well, I can't kill myself this way. If I slip my wrists, I just look ridiculous. Cause I don't have blood, right? Yeah. Um, like a lot of this trades in just really dark, morose humor, mm -hmm. um, which it's a fantastic read. It's it, it is. And yeah. So, and in this character, you know, obviously she is immortal. Can't be, can't be killed. Mm -hmm. Um, and, literally has gotten to a point where there is one thing that she is living for and that's her job. Yeah. Right. And it, it, this, I'm guessing this very closely allies with a lot of people who have been through this kind of thing that gets taken from like the one thing she feels that she has that she can connect to gets taken from her. Yeah. And now, so now she has mm -hmm. nothing and that's what kind of kicks that off. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, it is. It's really weird and disturbing that the challenge of ending her life is what rejuvenates her. Yeah, I do like that. I like I like the weird place that this is going to. Yeah, there's a dark irony. That yeah, I think it's going to be kind that. of hard to read, but like in a very good way. Yeah, I agree. Um, and the other thing that happens here is as the issue goes on, you start to realize that. It's almost like time is playing simultaneously for her, or at least for us as 
the reader, but I kind of read it a little bit as both. Yeah, like she's kind of got this um, Dr. Manhattan thing going on where everything is happening and she's responding to everything with the same remarks. Like everything is kind of happening. Like time doesn't mean the same thing. It's very quantum. Yeah. Well, and she talks about the hardest thing for her is holding the appearance of her original body, her old self. Right. And it almost seems like, I don't know if it's a direct consequence of the same problem or if it's sort of the thematic interpolation of that. But it's almost like holding together her consciousness and a place in linear time is also a challenge for her. Like yeah. being a person is hard and experiencing the universe as a, as person. a person right? is yeah. equally hard. Yep. Yeah, I would agree with that. Yeah, good read. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, and I, I really love that the backups really prepared you for this yes. first issue. Without, like, giving anything of this story Correct. away. Correct, yeah. Yeah. Uh, yes. yeah. Yep. Um. So, well, this is maybe my favorite book this week. It, it was, was so good. well done. And Super good. Sonny Liu's art is just yeah. gorgeous. Oh. It, uh, yeah, it, it so meets the, the, the feel of this book. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, if you haven't checked this out yet, go, go do it. I, we've given you plenty of reason to already, but go do it. And, and if you need just one more, there is the mention of erotic waitressing in this. That's yeah. right. That's right. <laughs> yeah. Um, Some of us have to do that. All right. Come, calm down. And Hey, if this is your first foray into Max's work, then... I can't say that there's a lot of other stuff she's written that feels just like this. No. Um, like there was an Element Woman backup in an issue of Shade mm-hmm. that maybe a little has bit. some similar ideas to it. Um, maybe her Starbrand issue of, or her Starbrand story. But regardless, like if you wanted to go check out something else she's done that's complete and in trade, uh, go get uh, Quantum Teams or Go. Yeah. Hell yeah. It's a fantastic yeah. book. Real good book. Yep. Um, Kim and, and if Kim you get g- it, we might get more. Yeah. Come on. Kim and Kim gets a lot of attention. It's great, too. But Quantum Teams, I think, snuck under a lot of people's radar. I yeah. Definitely. And God, it was so good. Yeah. All right. Is it still good? And we're going to... We're going to fly through this. We're not going to still get everything this week. We're going to try to keep it tight. We're actually going to play with this a little bit going forward. Um, we didn't talk about saying this on the show, but I think it's okay if we do. Yeah, yeah I think yeah, we yeah. should. We're going uh, to play a little bit with format going forward. We know that now that we're doing more interviews, we're running pretty long, pretty consistently. Yeah. And we're going to try doing some stuff to, to fix that. Is it so good? It seems like the cleanest place for us to... To try to reclaim some little, time. Yeah. yeah. Um, for now, we're going to try to keep it in the show. It might turn into us making it Patreon content or breaking it out into some separate... We've, we've talked around some other ideas, but we haven't made a decision But we don't know yet. what we're going to do with that. Yeah, yet. feel yeah. free to go to our, our website in the Ask Us a Question section. Give us suggestions. Yeah, yeah we, I mean, you're the ones who listen to it. Yeah. 
Um, so I mean, we, we listen to it several times yeah. a week, so. <laughs> um, but <laughs> we have become numb. <laughs> but yeah, just because we've always said if we're ta- if we don't have room to talk about it, we'll name it here if we thought it was good. That's actually maybe not going to be wholly true going forward, right? Right. Um, at least for a little bit here. So just because we don't talk about a thing doesn't mean we read it and didn't like it. Just because yeah. we've been talking about it and don't so, now. So maybe this is like a highlights yeah. of, of still good. Kind yeah. Of. Yeah. This yeah. is more of a yeah sort of a. That, what Brian said. Rocco's Modern Life number four. Uh, Rocco and Ed find love in a hopeless place, but only one of them gets a happy ending. Oh my. (laughs) There's so many interpretations of that. Oh God. Detective Comics 976, Tim makes a deal with the devil. Mm. Maybe. Maybe. (laughs) Certainly seems that way. Ragman number six, Brian. Um, let's see. Uh, final issue. Uh, Ragman comes to accept himself and wraps up the story. Nice. Sweet. Uh, Supergirl number 19. I wanted to mention this one just because it's not something I read often. Uh, there was a variant I loved, and this was a one-shot uh, co-written by Vita Ayala, who does The Wilds, which I really dug mm-hmm. recently. Um, so I figured, perfect chance to jump on and give it a try. Uh, this is a really kind of sweet story about a non-binary kid whom Supergirl helped accept themselves and come out. Oh. Uh, and sort of the impact that had on them and also the impact that had on Supergirl. Nice. All right. Uh, Trinity number 19, Brian. Um, this is the conclusion of the Scarter story and... Um, Everyone gets simultaneously duped, fooled, and used, and not fooled at the same time. Huh. Curse words number 12, Jen. Weezord and Ruby Stitch duke it out, and then... Dot, dot, dot. Margaret receives a little help from their consummation. (laughs) Oh, my... Okay, well, I want to read what is. So good. Avengers number six eighty four, Brian. Uh called shut, Hulk's back. <laughs> <laughs> Imagine that. Yeah. Um and, and and is it is it too on nose to say he's not happy about it? Hmm. <laughs> yeah. Uh the other we also find out who the Voyager really is. <gasps> Uh, I want to say real quick, and we'll get more into yeah. this whenever this solicitation drops in the next couple of weeks. But this, like the first issues of this, the first ten pages of this yeah. issue serve as like a teaser intro to what Al Ewing's going to be doing with the Hulk as this unkillable monster, the Immortal Hulk. Yeah, and that Banner, you can kill Banner, but when the Hulk rises at night, Banner will return too. Yeah. Woof. Um. So if you dug the first ten pages of this. You need to go ahead and just get yourself on that Immortal Hulk train. It's mm-hmm. going to be, even if you didn't read this, it's going to be fantastic. It's going to be super cool. And it's a it's got pretty big character change for yeah. the Hulk. Yeah. Every time I talk about this in the comic shop, some random person not who is not in the conversation turns and goes, when does that come out? I want to read that. <laughs> <laughs> I'm like passively backlogging people. <laughs> Backlogger. He has now developed a backlogging aura around himself. Yeah, for real. I thought you were going to say backlogging fetish. Uh, well, that too. Doctor Strange, three eighty-seven, Jen. Um, 
some of the doc's friends come to his rescue, but it may not be the friends he thinks. This is the best kind of Inmedius Res. Oh my god. Oh yes. This issue's so good. And it it takes place before what happened in the last damnation. I I will say, I'm really... Like, now that we've got four, two of each of them out, I'm really digging the difference in uh, in perspective and how they're overlaying the the damnation and the Doctor Strange stories. Well, what this issue did so well that I appreciated it, I promise, is you know the thing that's going to happen. Yep. And they still fake you out with it. Fuck yeah. Yeah, they do. And that is just incredible to me. Yeah, I was still like, oh shit, how's this going to play out though? Yeah. Especially if you read it in digital and not floppy and don't know. You've only got like three pages left. Mm-hmm. You're like, okay, we'll get there. We'll mm-hmm. get there. Mm-hmm. Oh shit. Mm-hmm. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, last one. Thrawn, numero dos, Brian. Uh, yeah, we continue Thrawn's rise through... Uh, the imperial st- structure, and basically just get more of the same of his kind of insight and manipulation and ability to see how to best turn things to his advantage. Super, super good. I, I, I the highest praise I could give this is I like I want to go read the novel now. From, yeah. from this, yeah. yeah, yeah. All right, long box time. So, oh, I do also want to mention that oh. we we did we will talk about uh, Peter Parker's spectacular right. Spider Man and Marvel Two and One in yeah. the chip segment because yeah. I mean why would we not? Thank you. I meant to say that. And yeah. I didn't. I didn't mark to say it, so I didn't do it. So good. I'm a robot. I, I got you. I cover your back. You did. Yeah. Um. Yeah. A lot of that interviews about those two books. So. Yeah. All right. Longbox book report time. Mm-hmm. And uh, ninety nine episodes in. I ran into a problem I don't think we've ever had before. Nope. I read the book I chose last week, which I'm going to opt not to name here. And it is problematic in ways I can't even really joke about, Yeah. frankly. Um, The short version is I looked up online to see if it was a product of its time or just a product of problematic views. And after about 10 minutes of Googling, did wind up on a right-wing, like, grr, SJWs and kids, uh, comic book writer site. And, uh, yeah, like, I, if I even said half the things that they say in this book, we'd have to cut that segment out. Yeah, we're just not And then I'd just be like, well, we canceled the whole podcast. Yeah. <laughs> okay, thank you. Bye. So, uh, like, it's not likely that I say, no, fuck this book, I'm not talking about it. But fuck this book, I'm not talking about it. Right. Instead, I pulled a second one uh, to talk about instead. What did, what did you pull, you Alex? What did you read? I have Resurrectionists number one. Yay, number one. Yes. Uh, it is a Dark Horse book from sometime in the fairly recent past, because it's pretty new look. It's it's fairly new paper and all that. Uh, Fred Van Linty, Maurizio Rosenzweig, and Moreno Decinio. Okay. And this was actually a really cool book. Like, if I had grabbed this on the shelf as it was coming out, it would probably wind up on my pull list. Nice. Oh, wow. Um, Sounds are about to happen. Sorry, guys and gals and others. <laughs> Uh, this is... At least set... it's not double-bagged. <laughs> Oops. Well, now we know why that one was double-bagged. 
It was a double bagger, you guys. It was a double bagger. Oh, my God. It was. Uh, I didn't even think of that. (laughs) They were like, no, no, you need an extra layer of protection from this one. This was 2004. This actually is something that I conceivably, if I had seen on a shelf while reading, like, I could have picked this up and read it. I just, it never came to my attention. Um, This is set in two time periods. One is the present day following art thieves Mm. who are stealing. Uh, uh, like uh, an excerpt from the book of the Egyptian Book of the Dead. Okay. Um, a page of it. They are attempting to Prince of Persia. We got yes. it. Yeah. And well, you know, you say that I think well, maybe it's a little Assassin's Creedy now. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah, the know. other time period is ancient Egypt, and one of the thieves who's pulling this heist, like, he touches the scroll and. And I'm sorry, he gets knocked unconscious. He touches it later. He he, he gets knocked unconscious. <laughs> oh, are you sure this book isn't problematic? It's, People it's... get knocked unconscious and touched. I don't know. No, no, no. The guy who got knocked unconscious <laughs> oh, does the touch. I got you. Okay. It's fine. Okay. Uh, when he's good. not We're unconscious. Yeah. We're good then. Yeah. Um, that papyrus consented, Brian. It's okay. Well, well. A papyrus can't consent because it's an inanimate object. Right. Anyway. Before somehow the podcast becomes too problematic. Oh yeah, it's about to happen because my brain started going <laughs> weird places. Um, anyway, guy gets knocked unconscious and starts having memories from being an architect in ancient Egypt who built this pharaoh's tomb. Hmm. Who, as like you do, as soon as they're done building your tomb, you kill the people who built it so that no one can disarm the trap. Right. Yeah. Yes. Right. And he escapes, but, and okay, little problematic and fringy, his pregnant wife gets shot and killed. Oh. Yeah. That's just lazy. It's just yeah. lazy. And then he wakes up and, like, meets a woman who looks just like his former hallucinatory wife. Like, it's mm-hmm. this it's this reincarnation thing. So, so we are kind of Assassin's Creed. Here. Yeah, yeah. It's, okay. it's a little Assassin's nice. Creed. Yeah. Um I think the art is what really sells it for me. Um, I dig, in general, the art, and I really love Dissidio's color work in this. It's super vibrant and bold and fluid. Um, The whole book's got kind of a cartoony, sketchy thing going. Yeah, it kind of looks like 90s animation. Yeah, but yeah, it's got a really strong animation vibe, and it's coloring. Um, And there's only one nightmare monster woman. Christ. Oh, wow. Yep, okay. Yeah. Other than that page, Jim, you would enjoy image. the butts. <laughs> yeah? Good butts? Yeah, there are. There was a good butt this week, and I forgot to mention it because I forgot what book it's in. Oh, no. But it was an exceptional butt. Oh, no. And I'll, now I'll, the world will never I'll know. I'll tweet about it if I remember. Okay. Okay. So, it, this was all right. It was definitely, definitely an improvement over... Never mind. It was when I was... No. No, that's not it. God dang it. All right, keep going. Well, okay. well Jen enters a butt fugue. I'm going to roll. Clearly. <laughs> right. I thought but, it was no, Jughead. Call, be- call before you roll. Jen is... What did I call you last time? I don't know. Jen is odds Brian Zevens. No! <laughs> it has failed! Your luck ran out, mother. It has failed me. <laughs> Thank you, spider woman. You look done. Yeah, I know. I think it was. I think it was when I was reading. I was rereading Jughead to get caught up for okay, the cool. Chip interview. Um, and there was a moment where it was like, "Damn, Betty!" Oh, Betty! 
Yeah. Well, uh, something something rocks. Something something rocks. Something something relics? Sure. So as you guys probably have heard and maybe remember, Rock Hounds and Relics is only open on the weekends now. Yes. Um, so if you want to get your rock fix, and I don't mean that as in drugs. Um, if you want to get your rocks on. Head to Lemon Street in Ackworth, Georgia. Go to Rock Hounds and Relics. Visit the Rock Hound, who is fat and adorable. Um, the Rock Hound being an actual dog. So it's okay to call it fat, I guess. I don't know. I mean, are you sure he's fat and not just a little husky? <laughs> no. Wow, no, that was... No, he's he's a little morky. Um, he's supposed to be four pounds and is nine, okay? So he's, he's 2.25 morkies. Correct, yeah. Um, he's so cute and so adorable and totally worth going there just to see him. But if, if you also want to get things, she has amazing, um, Batman, Superman, other kinds of rings and such. She also has like homemade bracelet, homemade, but bracelets and earrings and other such things, other such nerdy gear that she has made personally. My sister's a really, really good jewelry designer for nerdy shit. Nice. Yeah. So definitely go there. Check it out. Do that. It's awesome. And now... Oh, wait, Brian, what did you get? Uh, so um, the the bad news is it is number five. <laughs> <laughs> However, I think it's still going to be okay because this is uh, Garth Ennis and Oscar Jimenez, The Chronicles of Wormwood, The Last Battle, and it looks nice. beautiful. Jen, not only did Brian get it, he got a number five and a war book. He fell oh, on so shit. many swords. But look you, at it. You check so many bucks. Oh, that is beautiful it's art. beautiful God art, dang it? it. Man, he gets good shit. It's not fair. That's why he doesn't and get it Garth anymore, Ennis. because when he does, it's good. Yeah. All right, and now. Still have all that luck. The moment you've been waiting for. That's right. Panelology in conversation with Chip Zadarsky. And we are joined today by Chip Zdarsky, who uh, probably needs less introduction to most people than we do. Indeed. Yes. But is writing Peter Parker, The Spectacular Spider-Man, Marv- and Marvel 2-in-1 right now, drawing sex criminals, and has done other things like Captara, Howard the Duck, Star-Lord, and Jughead. That's it. You did it. You nailed it all. Nice. Cool. First try. We're done. <laughs> Got it. All right. Bye, everyone. Thanks for coming. Yeah, it's thanks great. for joining us. Um, so to start you off with the normal question, or the usual question at least, how did you get into nerdy stuff as a fan? Um, it was definitely comics, and I don't remember my first comic. Like, there are so many photos of me at the age of, like, five with, like, Spider-Man birthday cakes and, like, dressed up as Spider-Man for Halloween. Uh, probably the TV show, the animated show, was the, the kind of the gateway. But the first kind of comic I remember buying that made me go, oh, I need to, I need to get more of these, was uh, the original Secret Wars, uh, and it was issue seven. And uh, it just blew my mind. Like, all those characters together fighting, all these, like, uh, conflicts of personalities. And once I realized that... Um, it affected things in the other comics. Like that Spider-Man's got this black suit and She-Hulk's in the FF. Like I kind of immediately went to the store and bought 
all the other issues surrounding it. So it worked. Like they <laughs> they tricked kids into buying the toys and the comics, and it worked. I found out years later. Like I don't know if you ever read. Um, I forget the name of the book. It's like it's like it's a it's a history of Marvel comics by Sean Howe, and they talk about the Secret Wars era and how like the toy company Mattel mm-hmm. basically told Marvel that they need to make a comic to sell these toys and that their research showed that uh, boys of a certain age, their two favorite words were secret and wars. <laughs> <laughs> and that's literally oh, how it happened. Like, we, I was so played as a kid. Yeah. <laughs> the, the 80s is when they pretty much perfected that marketing thing with comics, yeah, I think. They did, and like, yeah. there were there were a lot of kind of, I think, laws, at least in Canada, kind of put into place as a result of it. Like, the idea of, like, creating content for TV just to sell toys. Um, I don't know if that's uh, as much a thing now as it was back then. But uh, it's, yeah, it's insidious, and it absolutely worked, and here I am <laughs> writing evil, comic books. Evil marketing bastards well, okay. who benefited yeah. us greatly. I was going to say, they did get chip in the comics, so it's <laughs> kind of a mixed bag yeah. there, right? Right. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> so when did you uh when did you know you wanted to make the jump from being a fan to actually working on comics, writing and drawing and maybe generally uh, defacing? Uh, a couple months ago. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It's kind of it's weird cuz uh I drew comics a lot as a kid. Um I never finished any because most kids don't finish them. And uh when it was kind of time to go to college, I went eventually to uh, a school for illustration and right off the bat like the portfolio requirements to get in it's stated very clearly no comic book stuff no <laughs> fantasy stuff wow and so i was like okay you know this is a different thing it's a, it's serious illustration and they kind of like kind of beat it out of me over like the three four years i was at that school and there were other guys in the class that it turned out had the same thing, where they wanted to be comic artists, and then they went through the program, and they were conditioned to not be interested in comics anymore. Uh, so I never thought at that point that I would do it for a living. Um, Kagan McLeod, who is the artist on Captara, uh, we both went to the same college. And uh, after we graduated, um, he was the guy who kind of like, got it together and put out a comic book, Infinite Kung Fu. And uh, around that time, I was doing like a, just kind of a a weekly comic strip for a student newspaper. It was called Prison Funnies, and it was like just dumb, dark jokes <laughs> and kind of done on a dare. And when I saw that, like, Kagan could actually, like, have these books printed up and do conventions, I was like, well, shit, maybe I should do that too. And so we started to do conventions together where I, you know, pay the money to have the books printed black and white and hit all the shows and uh and yeah that kind of that kind of got me to the idea of doing my own comics but there was kind of no point where i thought that i would end up doing stuff for marvel or dc because um my art is not good enough for it um and they have no reason to hire me as a writer really like there's nothing i was producing that would um that would show that I could write something like Spider-Man. And so, you know, I, I, I spent kind of years doing that on and off, and I worked at a newspaper where I kind of developed, I think, a bit more of my skills as a writer. And not just writing, but writing condensed things. 
like when I would just write for myself, I would just write these like long bits of text and my jokes were like way too long. And the newspaper taught me to write to the space, which came in handy with comics. Like once I made the transition to comics, it was like, oh, okay. Like, you know, you don't want to be one of those writers that fills the page with text and covers all the art. Um, So kind of learning the tricks at the newspaper kind of helped. And so as sex criminals happened, and that was like, that was just like a dumb thing that Matt and I were doing for each other. Like we wanted to work with each other and we were kind of buddies and just like, oh yeah, sure, let's do this thing. Like it'll last three issues. And (laughs) it it was my first kind of opportunity to work with somebody on a thing. And uh, yeah, and it took off. And that that first year of sex criminals was just kind of bonkers. Um, The kind of opportunities that kind of came my way. And one of them was uh, doing a small thing for Marvel. And it went well, and I did another small thing, and it went well, and next thing you know, I was doing Howard the Duck. So yeah, I mean, that's a long answer, but that, that's that's basically it. Like, I never I never thought I'd be doing comics, but as my career kind of progressed, um, and I realized that I could, like, yeah, I went for it, because, you know, it was like a childhood dream. Yeah. That's awesome. And yeah. now you're writing Spider-Man and... Marvel... <laughs> Part yeah, of the I Fantastic know. Four. Yeah, I was gonna say like like probably two of Marvel's biggest properties, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. yeah, which is also super weird. Um, it's a strange line from Howard the Duck to where I'm at right now. Like, I think when I got the job doing Howard the Duck, uh, I kind of thought that would be my only shot at Marvel, and so I kind of I put in all the characters I wanted to write. Uh, like <laughs> issue one had She-Hulk and Spider-Man guest star for no other reason than I wanted to make sure that I wrote those characters before That's I died. Great, Because I thought we'd be cancelled. Issue 2, <laughs> issue 3. It's Howard the Duck. It's not the kind of book you think would sell well. And, uh, and you know, I managed to get, like, Human Torch in there and The Thing and Silver Surfer and Galactus. Like, I just kind of, like, kept putting in all my favorite <laughs> stuff. Because you can get away with it with Howard as well. Yeah. Which is kind of a fun thing. Um... So I, I, I made sure to kind of check all the boxes as a fan um, under the idea that that would be it for me. And I think editors of Marvel saw that, like, um, I was surprisingly professional. Like, based on my online personality, I think a lot of people, <laughs> <laughs> this guy is going to blow all the deadlines and not take edits. But, um, again, the newspaper background, like, you learn to take edits and you learn to write fast. Yeah. So. Uh, I think the editors um, so far have been happy to work with me, and and Howard was like a an audition that I didn't really realize at the time. By writing all the other Marvel characters into it, they took a look at that and like, oh yeah, we we'd like to see him kind of do the other things as well. So yeah, That's weird. Really cool. Was there a moment like in in working with these big these bigger comics uh, companies? Was there a moment where they were like, okay, it's cool, you can be Chip in the streets. But, like, be Steve at work, okay? Well, again, it's like, it's the newspaper thing. We, newspapers are kind of by default family-friendly. We don't really think about it that way because, you know, the news of the world is horrible. But for the most part, the content has to be the kind of content that, you know, if a 12-year-old picks up the newspaper, they're not going to be, like, uh, running to mom and dad and describing all the horrible sexual acts that they just read in the newspaper. <laughs> uh, and so so I, I learned from that job where lines are depending on the project you're doing. Um, and I, I got into trouble at the newspaper a few times. 
because I would do comics for the newspaper, and comics were a different thing than just text in the newspaper. Mm-hmm. Like, I did a comic about, like, a swingers club that I visited, and um, at one point, like, I just showed, like, the owner of the club kind of uh, grinding into his wife, fully dressed. <laughs> and I, I, I just threw, like, little action lines behind his butt to show that he was grinding, and I used the word grinding. And, uh, you know, I got called into the editor-in-chief's office, and he was like, you know what? You gone too far this time. We got complaints <laughs> from schools, like, and, you know, I had to defend it there. And, uh-huh. you know, like, you, you realize as you kind of go through, uh, like, I was at the paper for about 13 years. Um, you just, you learn where the lines are and you push, I push them a bit at Marvel. Like there's only been a couple of times where editors have kind of come back to me on ideas and been like, nah, you you can't, you can't do that. There's no way. Um, but for the most part, I kind of, because I've read the books my whole life, like you kind of know, like I'm sure everyone there, like you all know what you could get away with in a comic and you kind of know what the voice of the characters is supposed to be. Um, it's actually it's hard to write outside that, really. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, that makes sense. I mean, if you take if you take Peter Parker and suddenly have him cursing up a storm, well, that's just that's not Peter. That's not who he yeah. is. That's not the way he takes the world in stride and laughs it off. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. It's 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 very rare that you see somebody like writing a Marvel or a DC book that um, really doesn't get the tone. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and if they don't, they're usually doing it on purpose. They're just like, okay, I'm going to try and like fuck up this character and, and make it something different. Sometimes it works, sometimes it doesn't. But you, you have the voices in your head when you sit down to write it, for sure. So, uh, uh, wow, brain. Uh, I have one, I promise. <laughs> no. Let me just take a sip of the brain juice. Well, I, okay, while Alex is doing that, then I'll ask. Um, so you, you mentioned kind of the voice of the one of the characters. One of the things, um, you know, Marvel 2 and 1, I think we're on issue 4 now, something like that. Yep. Yeah. Um, and Ben Grimm specifically, um, the, the way that you're writing him in this is... I really, really, really enjoy. Um, He's not just the brooding or grumbly person. I mean, there's definitely that aspect to him, but it's a lot more kind of almost melancholy. Yeah. Right. And I think it really fits for him, especially at this time. How did you like what what led you to that? Yeah. Like, again, a lot of that's just kind of instinct. You know, before I started working on the book, I did. Um, a pretty deep reread of uh, all the Fantastic Four books, and uh, and 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 the character seems to work best when there is that kind of melancholy to him. I had to kind of come up with a way to um, reinstate that a little bit because you know the the Ben Grimm thing story is oh no I'm a rock monster this is the worst thing ever oh wait I'm human again oh no I'm a rock monster like. <laughs> And after kind of going through that cycle, like it's it's a very tricky thing, kind of writing characters that have been around for sixty, seventy years in some cases, because they have gone through so many permutations, and it's hard to have a character grow because if they grow, then they're done. Right. If he just accepts he's a monster, okay, well, what what else is there to Ben Grimm? And I had to kind of come up with the. The, the deceit that he has going with Johnny in order to uh, in order to make him a bit more melancholy 
like kind of holding on to the secret and kind of rising to the challenge of being, you know, Johnny's keeper in some ways with uh, Reed and Sue uh, dead and gone. And so, yeah, yeah, it, it helps because Tom Brevoort is the editor and Tom knows those characters more than anyone in the world. Like, it's, 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 it's insane the amount of knowledge he has. I don't think people realize um, the effect he has right across the Marvel Universe line of books. Like, even though he's not, like, necessarily the editor on Howard the Duck, like, there would still be notes that would come in from Tom basically saying, okay, this is good, but this negates this thing that happened to Galactus, and issue whatever. <laughs> or the character would say this, but it would be more like this. Um, he helps a lot when it comes to Ben Grimm specifically. Uh, like, the language of it. Like, sometimes I, I won't get the language just right of his dialogue, and, like, on the edit notes, like, it'll be like, let's turn this you into a ya, <laughs> you know? <laughs> <laughs> but it's, like, it's, it's subtle stuff, and... Uh, and yeah, he's such a great editor. He's got such great story notes that uh, that that's helped a lot, especially in terms of Ben Grimm. One of the things I wanted to ask about two in one is yeah. like why every is, time why is it called two in one when it's <laughs> all like the original book. <laughs> I figured it was just a division joke. Um, <laughs> uh, well, not with. It seems like more than a lot of books, every time some new piece of information comes out, a solicit, a cover, anything, like the internet immediately turns and starts scouring to find out, well, does this tell us when Reed and Sue are coming back? When are the Fantastic Four coming back? How does that level of like very specific scrutiny that may or may not have anything to do with what you actually want to do in the book? affect the way you write and talk about that book kind of kind of the anticipation almost. yeah 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 i mean it's interesting because i'm also a fan and so for me um i'm hopefully writing the kind of book that those people want to read as well because i'm writing it for myself uh, because i miss those characters and so um there's a game plan i'll, I'll say that much like um, I can't give away where the story's going, sure. but I feel strongly that people are going to enjoy where it's going. Um, it's tricky. I, I, try, I try not to look at that stuff too much um, because I know it could probably affect uh, how I write it, and I've, I've got the story mapped out. Um, right now I've got it mapped out to issue 12 and uh, with some, I think pretty fun twists and things kind of along the way. So um, the thing that always gets me is I'll get people sending me tweets or messages where they're like, or they're like CCing CB Sabolsky and Marvel. And they're like, you know, we love what's happening in Marvel two and one, you know, chip has to be the writer of fantastic four when it comes back. And I'm like, what a terrible idea <laughs> <laughs> from a strictly marketing sales standpoint. Like you don't take the guy who just spent like the last year working on, half of a Fantastic Four book and then put them on your big Fantastic Four return. Like, that doesn't make any sense. <laughs> like, that doesn't create a big splash. Like, people are going to be like, whoa, I'm really curious to see what this Chip Zdarsky is like writing a Fantastic Four book. They're already seeing it. Like, I'm doing it. <laughs> yeah. You know, I think, you know, if they were to ever bring the FF back, you'd, 
you'd have to make it pretty big, I think, at this point because of the anticipation. Like you'd have to like call in Joss Whedon or somebody and just be like, "All right, you're doing FF now, and this is going to be a huge thing." And but I had the same thing with uh, with uh, Spider Man because you know um, it was clear that Dan was kind of wrapping up um, his run, and you know a lot of people were like, "Oh, you know, it'd be great if Chip took over Amazing." But I'm like. That doesn't make any sense. <laughs> like I get it. You're not gonna. You're not gonna get a big reader bump from putting me from spectacular to amazing because people already know how I write Spider-Man. It doesn't make any sense. Um, so that that's that's always a, a little challenging. Like I appreciate people enjoying the book, and I appreciate that they kind of they want the Fantastic Four back. But um, and I wouldn't turn down Fantastic Four if it was offered to me. But. <laughs> might be the stupidest thing that I could ever possibly say, which is don't hire me for Fantastic Four. It doesn't make any sense sales-wise. <laughs> yeah. Mar- Marvel and DC uh, so have pretty much gotten so that stupid. marketing. Let's so. just edit all that. Yeah. <laughs> we, can, we can cut I, that I if you want. I will cut that. No, no, no. Make it Patreon I'm on record. Like I've, I've mentioned on Twitter before that um, I don't think it would make a lot of sense. Uh, yeah. Well, yeah, because you want you want you want to see the fresh take. You want to see like the big bold take from a, a creator that hasn't done it before. Um, so yeah, if Marvel were to bring them back, I, I think that'd be the the way to do it. I will say, as as a fan and someone reading it, like I would certainly not turn down you writing <laughs> yeah. any more than you would turn down being the one to write it. Yeah, but, yeah. Uh, yeah, the business of comics is a weird a weird monster too. Indeed. It's, it's, it's like anything. Yeah. Well, it's business, right? Yeah. yeah. Right. Exactly yeah, right. yeah. And, like, you know, you, you want to get the most eyeballs you can on a thing. Um, you know, it's like uh, Jim Chung, who, you know, did the first two issues. He's doing issue six, and, you know, they announced him doing Justice League with Scott Snyder. And I'm like, well, I want to see that, because I haven't seen Jim Chung draw Justice League and, you know, after reading Metal and how awesome it is, like, I want to see Scott Snyder do Justice League. Like, that that combination makes sense to me where I'm just like, oh, okay, yeah, a guy I've never seen draw the book doing it with a guy who's just kind of had a bit of a taste of it with, you know, this, this series. Like, those are the kind of moves you make where it gets people excited about a thing, I think. Yeah. Yeah, we talk about solicitations, like, once a month on this show, and every time, anytime a new book comes out with new creators, we're always like, oh, but I have to see this. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. Um, you know, I don't, I wouldn't name check anyone, but, like, um, it's, it's, it's disheartening when you see, like, the name of a creator who's already done a book returning to the book, because right. I'm just like, well, okay like i already had that like i don't need to see it again so i mean it kind of creates a bit of a shelf life too for a lot of creators because like once you've done all the books like where do you go do you circle back to the beginning and do the book that you did like 20 years ago right (laughs) which i guess only works if they have like a really new idea for it maybe yeah 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 Yeah. and sometimes it's the combination like i said like scott is going to be pretty awesome yeah i apologize I apologize if our sound goes out because the uh, the weather has decided to take a turn for the worse and it is thundering so hard here now. Oh, really? Yeah. So if you hear <laughs> something crazy, it's lightning. Or like the screen okay. just goes black. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. No problem. Yeah, we probably haven't been hit by a giant meteor. No, it's fine. We'll get powers. What a great comic right. story, though. <laughs> yeah. Uh, well, let me ask this. When you started off Spectacular Spider-Man... Mm-hmm. You 
had Johnny in there from day one, which makes sense because Peter and Johnny are besties. Did you yeah. know at that point you were going to have two in one coming up and that you could kind of play both ends of that relationship? Or was that just a happy accident? A uh, happy accident. I think, I think again, it's like, I think I was auditioning without even knowing it by kind of putting Johnny and Howard and putting Johnny in, in Spider-Man. Not physically into Spider-Man, but in the comic. <laughs> I don't want to feed the rumors. Um, yeah, yeah, I, I had I had no idea. Like, I think I'd written three or four issues by the time Tom approached me about two in one, and uh, and I didn't even know what two in one was at that point. Like, Tom basically just emailed me a picture he photoshopped himself, which was a close up of. I'm sorry. Oh, is that thunder? <laughs> yes. Yeah. That's a big one. It was a dark and stormy morning. Yeah. <laughs> um, Tom emailed me a, a, a drawing of uh, Ben Grimm, just like his kind of midsection, and on his belt, he just had the number two, and that's all he sent me. And so I'm just like, what? <laughs> Are you offering me a job? What is this? <laughs> um, but at that point, I'd, I'd already written a bunch of uh, Spider-Man issues. It's yes. good to know that you get teased as a writer the same way that we get teased as people who, who just follow marketing announcements <laughs> yeah. and things yeah. like that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, like, come on, man. Like, I actually work for you. What are you doing? <laughs> Uh, well, it's it. Sometimes I think it's easy to forget that that writers and, and artists for comic books they have to be fans or they wouldn't be doing what they do, right? Yeah. yeah. And so, yeah. you know, they probably have a lot of the same kinds of sense of humors and practical jokes and things that that we all do. Right. <laughs> yeah, and I think I mean Tom is just like, I think he just the idea hit him that, you know, they could they could possibly launch a Marvel two in one book and like. You know, I just pictured him sitting at his desk, like pulling up the image and photoshopping and putting the number two on the belt and like getting that ready, like <laughs> kind of the, the excitement of it. Um, yeah, it's 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 fun. It's great. Uh, is there? I feel like I'm hitting two and one pretty heavy. And I definitely want to talk about yeah, Spider-Man yeah. two in a minute. Um, and I'm not gonna. I don't want to ask the well. Where are Reed and Sue question? Because that's not a fun question. No, for any I never want to know the answer until you tell me. Yeah. That's right. <laughs> but I do have I, I do have maybe a similar enough question that you still can't answer it. It's fundamentally a team up book. Mm-hmm. Are there any upcoming characters who they team with who you are super excited to get to write or to get you know to let people read? Uh, uh, as far as that team up side of it goes, like, is there anything you can tease and want to tease that you're just super excited for? Um, yeah, some of it I don't want to give away. Like, um, let's see. Well, they, they announced the annual, which is, uh, and they let me do the cover, which was fun. Uh, I basically begged them. I'm like, I got to draw this, please. (laughs) Uh, and it's being the annual's being drawn by Declan Shelby, and the title change is on it, where it's Marvel Two and One featuring um, the Thing and Infamous Iron Man. So it's basically a Thing Doom story, and it's my ultimate Doctor Doom story, and it's big and crazy, and um, it's one of those things where, like, uh, as a kid, I remember when I used to buy annuals, like they felt like they were special, but they almost always turned out to not be special. 
You know, like yes. you think about, yes, wow, we do. <laughs> this is giant size and awesome. And you're like, oh, okay, well, it doesn't really affect anything. <laughs> That's I wanted to make happens. sure that this annual um, affected everything. And so it's, it's a really big issue that, um, that kind of like gets to the heart of doom and his past and his present and his future. And it's, uh, yeah. That's super. Yeah. I felt. I felt I felt kind of like you know, I had to like, I didn't have to talk them into it, but I was basically like, this is going to be an issue where I know it's supposed to be like thing and torch, but it's going to be thing and doom. And when I say thing and doom, it's going to be ninety percent doom, and uh, and discovering a lot of stuff in the issue. And that, that's the one I'm, I'm super excited about. Um, I'm getting pages from Jim Chung right now from issue six, and uh, they're mind blowing. They're just so good. Like, you know they're good when I show my wife. Because my, <laughs> wife, my wife does not read comics. And uh, and so I almost never show her anything that comes in. But these pages came in last night, and I just, like, I laughed out loud at how good they were. Like, I just was overjoyed. And I was like, you've got to look at this. I know you don't know who these characters are. <laughs> look at how beautiful these are. And she actually agreed, so... Um, yeah, issue six. Like, I'm, I'm sad to see Jim go. Like, we, we only ever had him for three issues, but uh, uh, I'm, I'm glad he stuck around to do this issue six because it's like this. It's this massive battle with a lot of like fun revelations and stuff. And uh, yeah, and he just killed it on it. That's awesome. Uh, it, it goes off the rails. Like um, after issue six, things change. Issue seven is like a big turning point, which kind of leads us into. Um, uh, kind of a, a, a wrap-up of the Reed-Sue stuff. And, uh, yeah, and it's it's emotional and big and uh, fun. And, yeah, I can't believe I'm getting to do it. Well, that's a good tease. Yeah, like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Very yeah, yeah, like the, the, the editors, everyone at Marvel's been really supportive of, of what we've been doing with the book. And, uh, and I think, you know, the, the the guy I want to please the most is the editor, Tom, just because I know he's such a hardcore FF fan. Like that's his number one kind of book, I think. Um and and he's been happy and as long as he's happy, I'm happy. Awesome. The, the thunder is now scaring wow. my dogs. That thunder is <laughs> crazy. It sounds like a dog. <laughs> Come here, boys. Uh let's talk a little bit about Spider Man. Um, right. We had a new issue of it out this week as well. The beginning of the Amazing Fantasy arc mm-hmm. with uh, Peter and Jonah and Teresa going back in time to early Spider-Man days. Yeah. Um. I think the most fun part of it for me as a reader was the Jonah Jonah scene. So I guess I want to start there. Yeah. Because um, <laughs> you got. You got to handle Jonah learning Peter's secret again. Yeah, yeah. Um, that, was, that was fun. So I, I guess just how early did you know you were going to get to do that? How long have you been building toward maybe that moment? Or was it just something that, you know, you got the email and said, hey, you want to do this? And you're like, yes, and now we're going back in time so Jonah oh. can. Uh, the way the series has worked so far is... I planned out the kind of the plot beats for 15 issues 
like right from the beginning, I kind of knew where things were going. It shifted a bit when they kind of introduced legacy numbering. All of a sudden, I had an issue 300 <laughs> that I didn't yeah. realize was coming. Or, um, yeah, or even like issue 297 it used to be seven, and it had to be a bigger thing. But um, but but all the major beats were there, and um, I always said, like, because we kind of figured kind of around issue six, we would have an issue that maybe Adam would have to take a break um, to catch up, and so we'd have, like, a, a guest artist, and uh, I told the editor, Nick Lowe, I'm like, I really want to do uh, my Dinner with Andre-style issue with Jameson, and I just want it, like... No action. I just want, like, Spider-Man and Jameson, the interview of a century, in his home, and just have Jameson break down. And he, he agreed to it. I'm like, okay, that's good. And I sat down to start writing it, and I was just like, but what's the payoff? Like, I just kept thinking, like, where does this conversation leave them? And that's when I had the idea that, like, Jameson's got to find out. Like, it's the only way to kind of have uh, Peter kind of get out of that situation without feeling the weight of what Jonah's been through um, too heavily. And so uh, that started the conversation. Like, so I think only like a couple of issues had been out at that point, and I had a, a phone call with the editor, which I had to convince him that it was okay for Jameson to learn. Because any time a big status quo thing like that happens, like you got to run it up the ladder. Like, like yeah. that's not a thing that... They didn't ask me to do it. I asked him if I could do it. And... Uh, initially, the editor had resistance because, you know, it's, it's the old story of, like, too many people know his secret identity. And I'm like, sure, but this one matters. Like, this is a thing that you can play with. And I gave him a bunch of potential storylines that could come from it um, as a result of learning about the identity, which kind of, like, helped me plan out, like, a whole other year worth of stuff. And um, I kind of did a... It's a sneaky trick where I learned it when I was doing freelance illustration where you give a, a, an editor uh, three roughs. One of them is clearly great and two are bad. And so they'll pick nine times out of ten, they'll pick the great one. <laughs> Sometimes they go for the bad one. So I basically said, I've got three ideas and I gave him three ideas. Two I knew he'd say no to right away. And one, that was like a possibility, and that was the Jonah one. And uh, yeah, and eventually I, I managed to convince him, get him on board, and he had a lot of great ideas as well to kind of flesh it out. And so, so that happened, and because that happened, um, I had to kind of factor Jonah in to, um, to more of the Tinkerer stuff and then into the Amazing Fantasy stuff and the stuff that happens afterwards. Uh, but that was just a treat. Like once I realized I was doing the the, the time travel story, um, thinking about Jameson, confronting Jameson was just like just a dream. Like I love I love writing those scenes, and um, one of the most exciting parts has been seeing uh, Dan Slot pick up that thread and and doing Jameson stuff as well. And I'm like, oh yeah, that's cool. Like I'm actually like affecting other books. Like that's. That's one of the things that like Howard never did because it's Howard and nobody's like, oh, this thing happened in Howard the Duck. I better play off of it. <laughs> no, you ignore what happens in Howard the Duck. Star-Lord wasn't around long enough for any of that. And so to have, to have the Jameson thing kind of affect the other books is, uh, is really exciting. And so we're, 
yeah, we've got we've got some pretty good big plans with Jonah. And it is funny. So we have the Marvel Two in One Annual, and we've got the Spider Man Annual. And the Spider Man Annual is being drawn by Mike Allred, which is also a dream. And it's one hundred percent a Jonah issue. Uh, very much, <laughs> it's almost identical to like the Marvel Two in One Doom thing. Like it's Jonah's like past, present, future. Like him kind of figuring things out, and uh, it's a ton of fun. Yeah, yeah, I love I love Jonah. Like I'm so glad Marvel, you know, kind of let me do the identity reveal, and uh, and just to see where it takes us. So, but yeah, oh, I'll go ahead. Oh, I was going to say the Amazing Fantasy arc. Like one of the best parts is just seeing Joe Canonis draw those characters too. Oh yeah, mm. he's so good, and like him and uh, the colorist Jordan Gibson have like totally colored Jameson and 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 Peter, like the young versions from the '90s Spectacular cartoon. Yeah. Like they've based them entirely on that. I'm like, <laughs> I love that so much because the time period works. Yeah, the, yeah. the cover to 302 is my lock screen on my phone right now. Yeah. <laughs> That's awesome. That's great. <laughs> um, so I was going to say the, the other one of the other big characters in in Spider-Man right now is Teresa. Yeah. So what what led you to bringing her back into the, his life and story? And well, it's one of those things where I wanted to. I wanted the kind of the theme of the book to be about um, family because you had the, the Tinkerer Mason uh, brother uh, dynamic and I wanted um, Peter to kind of have that as well. And so initially I'm like, okay, yeah, maybe I'll create a, a sibling for, for Peter because, you know, his parents were spies and there's some mystery there. And that's when I found out that fucking Mark Wade already beat me to it. <laughs> Um, and it's, it's an awesome story, the family business story. And so, uh, I, I went through that and I tried to figure out like ways where I could, um, I could play with it. So you don't know if it's real or not real, you know, cause he kind of left that on a cliffhanger of, uh, she's not a sister or is she? So, <laughs> um, we're playing with that. We're going to get a resolution to it super soon. Like next issue, issue after. I'm trying to remember where we are now, but um, this one, yeah. in, the the one that just came out, ends with her saying to Fury, "I think I might be his sister." Yeah, yeah. yeah. So, uh, so I think I think by yeah by the end of the arc, um, you 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 know for sure whether it's true or not. So I, when Fury showed up, I did have this question. Since you like it hit me when you were talking earlier. So did did you do this amazing thing just so that you could get like the original, like, write these characters in that you always wanted to write? <laughs> No, the Nick Fury thing was kind of like a like a, um, uh, like a last second kind of realization that I could I could put him in there because uh, I, I knew going back in time there'd be some Teresa stuff with uh, with her kind of her lineage and I'm like but I hadn't quite figured out how she was going to kind of go about that and once I kind of did the math and realized that Fury would have been just pre-shield CIA around that time like it worked out really well and again like I've never written them so I just kind of like oh yeah yeah he's got to be on the last page for nice. sure nice. Um, yeah it's it's totally fun writing kind of the original Nick Fury but yeah the, the I reread all the original Spider-Man books to make sure the timeline stuff worked out like in, in terms of which issues characters like villains had appeared which ones would be in jail which ones would be kind of on the loose um so, so all the all the all the continuity stuff, which uh, I'm a, I can be a little bit of a stickler for sometimes uh, when it suits me. <laughs> um, 
it, it all it all kind of works out. So, yeah, it, it's great seeing Joe draw like the classic villains too, like Doc Ock and Green Goblin. Yeah, yeah. His, his, his is pretty menacing. It gets a really menacing in the next issue. Like, I kind of I kind of put the challenge to Joe. I'm like, I gave him some like old issues of other books to kind of look at um, as templates for the kind of menacing that we were going to go for and um it gets it gets pretty dark for a, a, a story that's supposed to be pretty light nice that's like, that's fuck around with time <laughs> <laughs> it's super funny to watch peter go hey i remember when this happens let's go kick some ass yeah <laughs> like, that's so slow <laughs> and that's how i that's how i sold it in the room like i i got to go to a, like a marvel retreat and you know i pitch it and as soon as i said like you know kind of time travel you know you can kind of feel the rooms the eyes roll back a bit and then <laughs> and then i'm like but like he gets back there and he realizes he's not going to change his future in this past and he's he knows how to beat all these villains and he could just go around with his young self and beat the shit out of these villains <laughs> and it's just so joyous and like at that point everyone's like yes okay that's that's fun that, that's going to be a lot of fun. Yeah. Yeah. And it seems like he doesn't even realize that he can create an even bigger monster that way. And that's terrifying. Yeah. Yeah. That's the thing. It's, it's funny. Like the time travel conundrums ethically are, are interesting. Like, you know, if you go back into your own time, you know, the, the whole thing is, you know, don't change anything because you could wreck your future. But because this is a separate timeline, it's like, why not attempt to make things better? Because right. it, it doesn't affect your future. And, and some people would be like, well, you're still changing the future. <laughs> I'm like, well, everything you do changes the future. Like right. us right now are changing the future with every decision we make. We don't necessarily know how it's going to end up one way or the other. But um, So I, I, I like that kind of ethical quandary, but also just like chucking it out the window because it's too much fun beating up Green <laughs> Goblin. Right. <laughs> well, and it's one of those things like, isn't that what we would all do? Come on, let's be real. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. No consequence um, time travel. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly, exactly. So that's that's a ton of fun. Well, do we want to talk about sex criminals? Uh, yeah, like, yeah. Duh. You yeah. ask if you want to talk about <laughs> sex criminals. Um, I, I, I kind of wanted to save it for last because I know we're in sort of the last act of it, the third act of its story. Um, and honestly, I don't know how much there is that you can say or want to say. Um about what's coming up and where it's going and, and sort of where we're at now. Well, I think um, up until this point, we've kind of, we spent a lot of time kind of creating characters and building characters. Um, uh, Matt's biggest strength as a writer is making you feel for characters, especially new ones. Like he can create something out of whole cloth and over like a single issue, make you just fall in love with that character. Um, uh, but as a result, we've got like a dozen characters now in the book, and it's become like the X Men of sex. <laughs> <laughs> and so, as we kind of as we kind of head into the third act, um, the big question that I posed to him, and we kind of sat down to kind of figure out was, um, what are the resolutions for everyone? Like now that we've got them all on the board, it's like okay, how do we how do we move all the chess pieces to, in such a way that we can end up in a satisfying place um, for kind of a, a grand finale. Um, the book's always been kind of open-ended. Like, we, we didn't really know where we were going, and you kind of, like, make plans a few issues ahead, and you have, like, ultimate plans. But, um, but I think we kind, of, we kind of figured out, like, how many issues it would take to, like, do this. 
um, uh, where we're headed. And so we, we have we have an issue in mind for the final issue, and we know what happens there, and we, we now have a bit of a roadmap to get there, which is fun, but also a little scary because it's like you know this is our this is our big book, and we're we're kind of moving towards a resolution, but um, I think good stories kind of need that. Yeah. Like I like I like working on the Marvel stuff where I think Matt once described Marvel Comics and DC Comics as being a continuous second act. Like because you can't finish the story, like you have to keep going. Um and that's fun in its own way, but I think with image books, um uh the joy of those books is in realizing that things matter in the books and they will uh resolve. And so we want to make sure it resolves for everyone. Right. Yeah, it's just yeah. a different kind of challenge. It's like you have to always challenge yourself to always like one up the last thing versus you have to challenge yourself to have this really great finality. Yeah, yeah. Like uh Peter Parker as a character can never fully learn everything. Right. Like he just can't or else <laughs> he becomes perfect. And if he, if the character becomes perfect, then there's no more story there. Right. Um, you know, and that's always been, like, the, the tricky thing with that guy as a character. Like, you know, you have him get married, you have him have kids and stuff like that. Okay, it becomes a different story. But then it's like, where do you go after that? Like, do you actually age the character before, you know, uh, it becomes kind of weird and ridiculous? Uh, and, and so, yeah. So, so the trick with a character like Spider-Man is to kind of make it feel fresh, make it feel interesting, um, but also kind of stay true to what the, the root of the character is because um, there's going to be a 10-year-old kid picking up that comic and you want them to experience what Spider-Man's supposed to be right. instead of what uh, Spider-Man will eventually be. It's tricky. But with, but with our creator-owned stuff, um, the characters can grow and they have to grow and they have to have a resolution. Um, uh just because it's that's the basic tenets of kind of storytelling. Right. Yep. How often while working on sex criminals do you and Matt try to just one up each other? <laughs> or is it's, that a thing you know that... It's sometimes a frustrating thing where like <laughs> uh like we we have a thing where um Matt sends me the script all at once. Like sometimes he'll tease it to me in text. And we'll talk about it on the phone a bit, but like he'll send it to me all at once, and then I will send him the final issue. Like I will not show him things <laughs> because I want to because I want to surprise him. Like and he wanted to surprise me. Like we're doing the book for each other, so I, I love like giving him the final issue all lettered and colored, so he can see the jokes I've added and the expressions and things. And um, but there's like there's kind of a another reason too, which is like we do have the it's not one upmanship, but it's like it's the improv yes and kind of thing where if I show him a thing that I'm doing, like, oh check out this check out this page I just finished with this like joke, he's like, That's great. What if the joke also had this? <laughs> <laughs> and it's like, ah, oh, but I'm done. <laughs> and sometimes it'd be so good an idea that I'll have to incorporate it. And and it's a thing same with him, like he'll send me stuff he's working on, jokes. And I'll respond with another joke, and he'll respond with another joke, and it'll build and end up in his other work. Um, so we're we're kind of like that. It's not as much one upping. It's just like finding the jokes. Uh, yeah, 
Yeah, it, 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 it sounds much healthier when you put it that way. I was gonna say yeah. it also sounds yeah. like he's got a little bit easier of the job. Like I would think, just changing, adding in some words would be a lot easier than like completely redrawing the. Oh, it is. The oh, yeah. <laughs> well, make no mistake, he has it much easier. <laughs> so the other thing that drives me nuts, like I think every writer should have to draw an issue of a comic, just to see uh, how much time it takes. Um, because because we own sex criminals, we can do what we want with it. Um, you know, Matt will sometimes go beyond in the page count in the scripts, and you know, up until now, it's been like, you know, the twenty page story. Sometimes it's twenty two, sometimes it's twenty four. Um, issue twenty three is twenty eight pages. So I'm like, okay, well that's eight extra pages I gotta draw. And issue twenty five is thirty two pages, and I'm like, well that's twelve. <laughs> I'm like, wait, 12 plus 8 is 20. That's an entirely new issue. Wait a second. <laughs> <laughs> and you know it takes them like an, an extra week to write those, and it takes me an extra seven weeks to draw it. So it's like, ah. <laughs> uh, but the scripts are really great, so I also can't uh, begrudge him doing it. But I'm also like, I don't get paid by the, paid by the page. Right. <laughs> you know? <laughs> it's our own thing, so we get paid... The flat fee of the issue, however many it sells. Right. So, oh shit, that's like I'm working for free for like a month or two. <laughs> oh, <no. laughs> so good. God damn it. <laughs> luckily, <laughs> luckily, the book does well enough that it's not really a concern. Yeah. Yeah. That's great. Yeah, you mentioned that he like he looks forward to seeing your expressions, and I have to say that I can't remember if it was I think it was issue 21 when <laughs> Susie's mom. Explains what her—I can't even explains what her delta of Venus is. Just the fucking constant look on her face. I had to put the book down because it killed me. (laughs) My vagina. (laughs) It's so. It's so weird because the faces are always a combination of me and my models. So, like my friend Tiffy who is Susie in the book um, she comes over with, with uh, my friend Alex who is John in the book and you know we, we basically do photo reference for the whole issue like I lay it out, they show up we have takeout food, some drinks and then maybe 10-15 minutes of me taking photos of them doing dumb poses and expressions and then we just get back to drinking and having a nice time and it's great like having your friends over to simulate sex acts and your food <laughs> While you take photos of them, it's not creepy at all. No, no. Especially right now, because she's like five months pregnant. (laughs) (laughs) So I'm like, all right, if you can just bend over here, all right, uh, whatever. Um, But but yeah, like so much of the characters' individual personalities come from my friends. And uh, on the page, it's like, I'll tweak. I'll tweak it, obviously, uh, in the drawing to like, change the expressions here and there so it ends up being this weird combination of of both of us uh yeah it's super weird super weird <laughs> but it's 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 fun and it kind of like i knew before i started drawing the book that uh, i didn't want all the characters to look like me which is kind of what happens or like this is this is my brunette character this is my blonde character and like you can only tell the difference based on the hair color like <laughs> a lot of artists fall into that trap and I want to make sure I didn't and the easiest way to do that was to make sure everyone in the book is based on uh, either someone I know uh, or a celebrity like somebody somebody that's a, at least a, a, a base 
for it. Um, cause I like, I like the idea of having like in, in the book we have Dewey and we have the bus driver who are two very similar looking characters. Mm-hmm. Like they have the same physical traits, but I always make sure they look like distinct from each other. Yeah. Um, uh, because that's the way reality is like, you know, you don't want to like just kind of make everyone kind of cartoonishly different um, just because you can't draw subtleties in the characters. Uh, yeah. Yeah. And I think the fact that you actually do base them on real people helps us connect more with the book. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. It helps me connect with it too. Yeah. Um, yeah. They, they feel like real characters, even though they're very cartoony mm-hmm. and I, and that's as a result of my friends, really. Um, but it's funny because, again, like we thought, we thought the comic would last three issues. So it's just like a fun lark having your friends over to do this. But like they've been over to my studio like twenty five times now. <laughs> <laughs> and like uh, Tiffy, you know, she's pregnant with her second child, and like you know, they've changed dramatically since uh, since they first came in here like three four years ago. And it's funny. It's like a, it's like a weird reunion every time, and uh, and the characters look much different than, uh, <laughs> than they do on the page now. <laughs> I don't think they realized what they were getting into. I didn't realize what I was getting into. But... All right. Before we wrap up, I have one last question. I know you always have a. Oh yeah, I always have. Okay, more. they each have their go-to. Um, is there that you're willing to discuss on a recorded? A recorded medium, <laughs> a thing that has gone wrong in the production of a book that is something, at least looking back on, you can laugh at. Ooh. Oh, that's a good question. Um, hmm. Some of them I can't really talk about. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, understandable. <laughs> Yeah, the, the uh, easy question, the easy answer is yes, they are. That it's the qualifier that makes yeah. that more difficult. Yes, there, are, there, are, there are a couple things that have happened in, in regards to the Spider-Man book because we did start it pretty well in advance. So, um, the free comic book day issue that kind of started it all. Uh, originally, Teresa belonged to Shield, and she's drawn that way. She's drawn in a Shield uniform with a Shield badge, and then. Um, as it was off to the press, uh, my editor found out that Shield was no more. <laughs> like it was, it was, a, it was a thing that happened in uh, Secret Empire where Shield no longer was going right. to exist. So, like, the kind of hoops we had to like jump through. Like I created the offshoot of Shield that maybe would exist without Shield, and uh, and that 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 was definitely frustrating. Uh, and I was very frustrated at the time. Now I can laugh it off. Uh, and uh, fucking Secret Empire just kept fucking me. The, <laughs> I one of the kind of the mandates of the book was the editor wanted like a, a like a, a Marvel character, preferably you know like a film and TV one to kind of bring in the new readers, like to appear in each issue uh, as kind of like the guest star. Which you know I also had to like kind of extend the storyline a bit to kind of incorporate that. Um, but I kind of liked the challenge of it too. But I had a whole issue with Black Widow, and the, <laughs> I, I, I had sent in the script for the previous issue, um, where she's revealed on the last page as being the person who's going to like take down Spider-Man, and uh, and then I found out on Twitter 
that Black Widow's neck was snapped in Secret Empire. <laughs> I'm like, what the fuck? And so I email my editor. He's like, I didn't know that was going to happen. Let's figure something else out. Which, uh, which, so it ended up being Hawkeye. <laughs> I was able to switch it out. Like, okay, well, if I do Hawkeye, then I have to change this. I have to change that. Like, continuity is such a, uh, an interesting thing in regards to Marvel and DC books yeah. because it's it's a real double-edged sword. Like, I love continuity for the for the fact that it helps me as a writer create emotional connections that I didn't earn. <laughs> like, like if I kill Aunt May next issue, she hits, gets hit by a bus, um, there will be an emotional reaction with the reader because there is continuity with Aunt May and all the things that she, they've grown up reading her adventures. Right. Adventures, Aunt May's adventures. Um <laughs> I did not earn that. I didn't write those stories, but I get the benefit of the emotional reaction from what I do to the characters. It's the same with Jameson learning Spider-Man's secret. Right. Like if that was just like an old man that that, that I introduced the issue before, <laughs> that issue would mean very little. Right. But because of the continuity, you know, you're able to like parlay that into the, the emotional reaction. The flip side is sometimes you get denied characters denied storylines things have to change on the fly because there are you know what marvel's putting out like 50 books like i'm trying to keep up with them like i read them all when i can but like things are going to slip by me things are going to slip by the individual editors like it's not as big of a machine as people think it is even though they're putting out a huge amount of of of, uh, story content and so you know that's the downside to the continuity stuff. So those are the those are the two kind of big things when working on Spider Man. I was just like, oh, I just felt defeated when I get the news. But you know, you problem solve it. You kind of figure your way out of it. Cool. Nice. Nice. All right, Jen. All right, mine is really stupid, and I apologize. Okay. But what is your okay. favorite sound effect to write or draw? Hmm. It's funny to. Let me just take a look here. I, I actually I'm working on a script right now, and I was really happy with the sound effect of uh, it's a kid running across like a building rooftop, and I just pictured like the kind of the gravel on the the rooftop, yeah, and his feet hitting it, and it's like it's crunch lowercase c r n c h, so no u, just a crunch 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 crunch, and I I, I like that. Um, Fashum, Fathum, Kathum, anything where it's like a, a different letter or a series of letters in front of Thum, I like a lot. <laughs> nice. <laughs> Excellent. Uh, Marvel 2 and 1 has a lot of sound effects. That's the one where, like, yeah, whether it's fire or their multiversal device or Ben hitting something, like, yeah, you can have a lot of fun with those. Yeah. All right, so so my question is always kind of a chance for you to put this out in the universe. Um, any publisher, any IP, any character, series, whatever, if you could write something, what would you want to write? That's always a tricky one um, because there are people writing those books. Sure. Well, and that's not the same. And so, yeah. and so yeah. I don't want to be like, you know, I want to work on, I don't know, I can't even make up a name, like, Super bat captain guy, because <laughs> you know someone someone is writing that book right now, and they've and they're probably doing a, a good job. And uh, I always I always I always 
there, there, there are a few people out there that like very openly admit to wanting to write certain characters in certain books. I'm just like, okay, that's cool. But like, I don't think you'd want them saying that about your book that you're working on that's paying your rent right now. <laughs> that's cool. That's uh, fair. Yeah. yeah. yeah I, like, and honestly, like, I'm kind of doing it right now. Like, Fantastic Four is like, that was like, that was my jam as a kid. That and Spider-Man were like, those are my two biggest books when I was a kid. And the fact that I get to write them is, uh, I'm, I'm pretty happy about it. That's awesome. Uh, yeah. And then, you know, beyond that, like, I'm working on like a bunch of creator owned stuff that kind of s- scratches different itches. Um, yeah. Yeah. Cause I think there, there needs to be a balance there too. So I don't, I don't think a lot about like the kind of corporate books that I want to write. Like what will usually happen is an editor will like, it happened last week, an editor threw the name of a character at me and the name of an artist. And we're like, what do you think? And I was like, Oh, I'd never thought about it. And now that I'm thinking about it, I like it. <laughs> thinking about and I'm writing ideas down and like that's how it usually happens. Like I never had an idea for Howard the Duck until like they contacted me and, and said, What do you think about Howard the Duck? And then your brain starts to go and then you kind of you find the end to the character and you're like, Oh yeah, there's stuff you could do here. Um so yeah, so I, I yeah, I guess I I don't really think about it that much. Okay. Um uh when things kind of cross my path, that's when I I give it some consideration. I will say I was approached once by DC Comics to um, pitch on a book, and it was one of my favorite titles ever. And uh, and I went away from, you know, that email, just like, oh, my God, like, this is like a dream. And I sat down, I started to think about the character and think about the stories. I was like, I got nothing. Oh, I got oh no, and not even like like I had some stuff, and I'm just like, but like nothing was getting me jazzed about it. I'm just like, well, this isn't this is a sign. Like, you know, you might think that you want to write a character, and then when you're actually presented with it, and you kind of like go through the motions of coming up with the ideas, you're just like, these aren't really worthy of the book or the character, and like, and I'm just going to remove myself from this process. So yeah, so stuff like that happens as well. It takes a lot of self-awareness and yeah. like, and I guess going back to the, the newspaper days, like just awareness of editorial process, I guess, to even have that thought. I don't think that's a thought a lot of writers necessarily would have. And maybe, maybe that just says, I think part me. of that probably comes from being a fan too. Yeah. 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 Like, and also I'm in, um, I'm in a position financially right now, like sex criminals pays my mortgage. Like, that's, that's the thing. Like, if I added up all my Marvel checks, <laughs> um, it doesn't equal, like, a tenth of what Sex Criminals makes Matt and I. Like, and then that's just, that's just the, the reality of kind of uh, the creator-owned thing does well enough. Like, you kind of, you, you reap the rewards of it. So I'm, 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 not, I'm not rich, um, but uh, I've, I've got a, a certain degree of comfort right now where, um, I don't feel that I have to take on the book just because it's being presented to me. Right. Uh, cool. If I had, if I had a child and like, you know, massive amounts of debts, um, then maybe I'd consider doing the thing, even though I don't think my ideas are necessarily up to it, which is a shitty thing to have to admit. But right now, I don't, I don't, I'm not in that position, which is good because it means 
anytime I take on a book right now, it's because I feel the ideas that I have are worthy enough to do the book. Joe and I quit Howard. Like, um, they wanted to keep going with it, and we just hit the point where we're just like, oh, we've told the story. And I'm thinking about what else we could do beyond it. And I was like, no, it's not as good as the story that we just did. And so it was time to leave the book. And, you know, that's hard. And maybe in retrospect, we should have stuck around because it was a lot of fun. But, uh, but yeah, you don't want to end up putting out stuff that you're not proud of. Right. Because it, it can be really easily, it can easily happen to a writer um, because of the speed of the machine. Yeah. So, yep. yeah. Well, this has been... Oh, sorry. No, I just wanted to say thank you for Howard, because as a kid, I loved that movie, and then I grew up and became an adult, and people told me, well, you're wrong, because it's awful. And then I finally had something to give people and go, but fuck you. (laughs) This book, though, fuck you. Can I say the weirdest thing about the Howard book has been um, when we we brought Leah Thompson in to be a part of it? (laughs) (laughs) It was like a a Hail Mary shot, like... (laughs) Would she want further association with the thing that was the biggest box office bomb of her career? But she played along, and she was totally game for all of it, and um, it, and that was amazing. And like, I like, I'm in contact with her. Like, I exchange emails with Leah Thompson, and like, eight year old me would never believe that in a million years. Nice, <laughs> that's great. Joe Joe met her and like gave her some artwork, and you know they hugged, and he's got photos. <laughs> so fucking jealous of them. <laughs> yeah, but it's fun. Like, yeah, that's that's one of the kind of the neat things about comics is just like the, the people you get to meet through it. That's great. So that's like the old thing. Like if 10 year old, you could see what you're doing now. Would they be proud? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I would be confused and proud. I think <laughs> really, we did that. But yeah, it's pretty good. Nice. Yeah. Well, thank you for taking the time and sitting down yeah. with us today. Indeed. So much. Yes. A lot That's of fun. A... I hope we can do it again down the road one day. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Maybe we'll pick it up in a year from now and yeah. when everybody hates me and all your questions are uh, mean and angry. <laughs> <laughs> Where are the Fantastic Four? For fuck's sakes. It's been a year. <laughs> Uh, anything anything we didn't cover that you want to plug real quick or talk about real quick before we say goodbye no I mean most of the things I got going on I can't talk about so that's unfortunate Um, sad times yeah (laughs) All right. well thanks have a good one you too bye Bye. thanks Chip bye and we're back wasn't that fun, guys? That was Fuck yeah. great. That was that was super super fun. Yeah, yeah. Again, my own version of bliss delight right yes. now. Me, this person ascending into the heavens. That's right. It's it's good. It's good stuff. Guys, let us let us know if you like these interviews too. Yeah, but only if you like them. I really don't want to hear about it if you don't. Because I'm. I mean, like you can talk about it. Monster. Just don't tag us in it right. because yeah. I. Yeah, like. The internet's full of negativity. I don't want to be part of that. Don't do it. No. Just don't do it. Just turn away. Be cool. That's right. There you go. Be a a cool pirate. (laughs) But how could you not like that interview? Come on. Come on. It's so much fun. It was a lot. It was Um, so easy to talk to, too. Yeah, he really is. And so pleasant. Yeah. (laughs) Thank you for being pleasant, Chip. Yes. 
All right, I think that's going to do it for us this week, yeah? Yes. Indeed. What else is there to do? Come on. The outro. Oh, right. There well, is then do that. that. Yep. All right. Uh, we'd like to thank again Chip Starsky for joining us today. Yeah. Uh, if you want to read work he's got going on right now, it's all the stuff we talked about. Sex Criminals, Peter Parker, The Spectacular Spider-Man, and Marvel 2-in-1. Mm-hmm. Yep. Um, and if you've read those things, dig into the back, that back catalog if you haven't. Right. Because it's... Like, all of it's very good. Definitely check out his Jughead. It's really fun stuff. Yeah. It's so goofy, but exactly how you want that character to be. Yeah. It's got those cool little interstitial dream sequences that oh, are yeah. all, like, parodies of oh, yeah. Game of Thrones. Yes. And, yeah. yeah. Those are all yeah. great. And I love that he's playing Dragon Side the whole time. Uh, yeah. And congrats, Chip, on your Marvel announcement. That's, oh, yeah. That's really we cool. We didn't talk about we that. We didn't. But, uh, Chip's going steady with Marvel now. That's right. Going steady it's very cool. Yeah. I love it. It seems like he gets to retain his creator own. Yeah, it, he's, he's said online. And... He's said online that it won't affect sex criminals or anything well, like that. Yeah, yeah. but yeah. I mean, like any future yeah. creator own stuff either. Yeah, um, he, yeah. He, he mentioned in the interview he kind of likes to keep that balance. Yeah, yeah, yeah that's good. Um, we mentioned uh, earlier in the show that previous guests Magdalene Vazaggio and Jeremy Whitley have books out that came out this week mm-hmm. and. Um, some things that you can check out of theirs if this is your first foray into their work. So do those things too, because mm-hmm. uh, we appreciate the time they've spent with us and really dig what they do too. Yeah. All right, back into the ho hum normal part of this. We'd like to thank Chase Parker for our intro voiceover. We're available on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, Google Play, TuneIn, really whatever pod catching device you use. If mm-hmm. we're not there, let us know. We'll try and make that happen. Uh, you can visit our website, panelologypodcast.com, to send us questions or feedback or stalk us on Twitter or listen to old episodes, whatever whatever it is you'd like to do. Mm-hmm. Uh, you can also support us on Patreon. Yeah, indeed. Um, we have different levels. We have the $1 thank you. We have the $5 shot glass level. We have the $10 where you get to listen to all of the interviews a day early. So if that's something that you're interested in, I mean... Hit that up, especially since you would have gotten the Chip Zdarsky interview a day early. That's right. Come on. Um, We also have the $20 limit, which is we will do, when we get somebody at the $20 limit, we will do weekly video releases of of comic-related content. Weekly, you say? Weekly. Weekly. We will do that weekly in addition to also giving you this podcast. That is not a slip of the tongue. No. Yeah. Um, yeah, and I guess we should thank our, our first Indeed, we are going to do that. We're going to thank Tim Lowe. Tim Lowe, who has been on the show, he is our patron. What's up? And we have tortured by making, recorded the same episode twice in a row. Indeed, (laughs) poor Tim. (laughs) Oh my, that was so, so, so much. Uh, Um, so yeah, thank you, and if you can't do a Patreon pledge right now, we get that, and the best way to help us out. Uh, outside of that, a great way to help us out is rate and review us on iTunes. Share yeah. the podcast with friends. This look, we would love to see a huge response to this episode with Chip. Yeah. Um, I mean, any of the episodes, any, any, really, but yeah. Um, um, any of our interviews, share those. I think even still, if you've got someone who's interested in comics and doesn't know where to start, our 2017 wrap up is a. Good start. Really yeah, useful yeah, I reference, agree. I think. So, yeah, help spread the word. We appreciate it. And let's tease it. We're tease it. We're gonna have a big announcement. We next do. Week. We will have a next week is our hundredth episode. We're not gonna yeah, do anything maybe. super special, but we do have a big, announcement, have a big announcement for it. 
For some upcoming stuff. Yeah, yes. some upcoming. Yes. Indeed. That's... Uh, I was going to make a joke about spices and storage in the kitchen, and that's just not funny. I'm Alex. <laughs> I'm Jenna. And I'm not laughing, Brian. Oh. <laughs> See you next week for the big 100. Oh.